Hi, it's episode 113. Today, we're talking more about child behavior. I'm going to troubleshoot the age-old concept of time out. You are listening to The Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A-style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi, it's Danae. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode 113. On Friday, I announced a new program that I'm running for the month of July called Simplifying Child Behavior. There's been so much interest in this program that I wanted to give you a little bit of a preview on the podcast of what we're going to be talking about. Child behavior is rarely, if ever, straightforward. There's a lot of buzz in the media and on the internet about positive parenting and gentle parenting, and I want to answer some questions about that. And I also want to explain that in my family, we do lean towards a positive parenting approach, but we also rely on strategies and techniques to help our days run more smoothly. While we definitely love to hug and to connect with our children, there are many times as a parent that I feel empowered by tools. One of these tools that's used all the time by parents is timeout, and I see it being frequently misused, and when it's misused, it's not effective, which is kind of a waste of time and energy for everyone. So today we're going to talk about finding a balance between positive parenting and strategies and techniques to improve behavior. But first, here's a quick word from today's sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Simple Contacts, and you've probably heard me talk about them on the podcast before. I have to say that I was really impressed with Simple Contacts and the app that they have. Personally, I've been wearing contacts for over 20 years, and I've had the same prescription year after year. Simple Contacts saves me having to go to the doctor year after year to get a prescription for my contacts. This app actually has a self-guided eye exam that you take from the comfort of your own home and it takes less than five minutes. So not only did it save me time, but it also saved me money. While this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, it is a great option for people like me who need a yearly contact lens prescription. And today you can get $30 off if you go to simplecontacts.com forward slash simple and use promo code simple. Again, that's simplecontacts.com forward slash simple. Use promo code simple. Back to today's episode. Today we're talking about child behavior. Managing child behavior can be overwhelming and can leave a lot of us feeling very powerless. We hear so much about positive parenting and gentle parenting. And I know as a parent, I strive to seek connection and rely on that connection with my kids to build positive behavior both today and in the years to come. But I have found that I need strategies and techniques too. I need some tools to get me through my day, to make my days run and flow more smoothly. So if you're anything like me and you benefit from having a blend of positive parenting and strategies and techniques, then check out the program I'm running in July, simplefamilies.com forward slash behavior. For 30 days, three minutes a day, I'm going to be running a Simplifying Child Behavior course. And I'm offering a 25% off coupon code for those who are in the Simple Families community. And it all starts July 1st. Space is limited, so get signed up. This is a great quick and easy program for co-parents to do together if you're looking to get on a more unified front regarding child behavior. So here we go. I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes or so trying to really capture what positive parenting is and how we as parents strive to be positive and connected to our kids. But sometimes we also need strategies for times when we're getting slapped around by our kids or toys are being flung through the air. And at some point in time, most of us have tried a technique called timeout. 
many, many of you out there will agree with me that timeout often doesn't work, but sometimes we keep leaning on it because we don't feel like we have a lot of other options and we don't have a lot of other strategies and tools in our belt. So today I'm going to lay out how to make timeout work for you if you choose to use timeout. Personally, I don't rely on it all that often, but when I do and I use it effectively, it really works. So while it's not a cure-all or even something that I recommend frequently, it is a good tool to have in your tool belt. Sorry, that phrase is kind of cliche. I'll stop using it. So when we're talking about positive parenting or gentle parenting, there are lots of different names for this, but it's a type of parenting that is focused on connecting with our kids and building a positive relationship. There's a huge part of this that is really about trusting the process. We know that kids learn best through modeling and imitating behavior. So the way that we behave towards our children, towards our spouses, towards other people in our lives is really setting the precedent for how our children are going to behave both today and most importantly in the future. So the most important strategy when raising a kid with good behavior is behaving well yourself. That means staying calm, keeping your cool, and being respectful to your children, even when their behavior isn't all that respectful. The word discipline is sometimes confused. It's not about rewards and punishments. It's not about issuing consequences. When you say you're going to discipline a kid, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to give him a consequence. Discipline is education. Most of the wrongdoings and the behavior incidents that we have with our kids are not incidents that are really intended on being bad. They're not going out there and trying to be bad. Instead, they just don't know a better way to get their needs met. So discipline is about educating. It's about educating our kids a better way to behave, a better way to get their needs met. And as I said, children are slowly educated by the adults in their lives, by the peers in their lives, through the modeling and the relationships that they have. And I know that I do truly trust that process. I know that my behavior is pretty good most of the time. I'm not perfect by any means, but I know that my behavior is going to impact my kid's behavior. I'm showing them every day how to have a positive relationship, how to talk to people respectfully, how to treat my things and my belongings with respect. And that is the essence of how I am teaching my kids how to behave well. But that's the big picture, right? Like, I'm doing all these things to one day lead to an end goal. But what about today? Like, what about when my daughter's throwing toys at my, at my son's head? Or she's dumping baskets of toys all over the living room? Or what about when my son's throwing a huge tantrum and ripping toys out of his sister's hand? Or when my daughter's pinching and scratching me? I'm using these examples because all these things happen in my house. And I imagine that all these things happen in your house, too. And while I try to stay calm and to react well to these behaviors, I'm also just not going to sit there and let my daughter claw my face either. So I do rely on some strategies and techniques for behaviors that are violating the safety and well-being of other people or of our belongings. So that means if it's something that is violating my well-being, if it's something that's hurting me physically or emotionally, if it's something that's hurting someone else in our house physically or emotionally, or if it's something that's hurting an item, one of our belongings, whether it's our toys or something of mine personally, that's when I do sometimes rely on punishment procedures such as timeout. Now, punishment sounds really harsh. When I say punishment, I mean an effort to reduce a behavior. 
we use punishment to reduce behavior and we use motivation and rewards to increase behavior. Now that's a really important point and I'm going to come back to that. So the reason that I don't use punishment very often, even though, of course, there are a lot of behaviors I would like to reduce in my house, is that I really only focus on targeting and giving consequences for things that are really serious and really violating us. Like, would I like to reduce my kids screaming? Sure, sometimes. But that's more of an annoying behavior. And when it comes to annoying behaviors or things that are just getting on our nerves, I tend to let those things slide. And I tend to not try to control every little wrongdoing that my kids do. Doling out consequences all day just isn't something that I want to spend my time and effort doing. Am I being lax and letting my kids get away with stuff? Maybe, sure, but I'm also just letting them be human. And part of being human and growing up is making mistakes and learning how to work out those mistakes, learning from the natural consequences that come with those mistakes. So the vast majority of the small behaviors that my kids have that I don't love, I don't do anything about because I don't rely on rewards and consequences to guide the overall well-being of my children and their behavior. I know that the interactions with me and the connections that they're making with me on a daily basis are really going to set the tone for that and to set the structure and the boundaries. I never expect my kids' behavior to be perfect because I know as they grow and they develop, they're going to do a lot of problem solving, a lot of troubleshooting, trying on a lot of different behaviors in order to find the best way to get through this life. A generation ago, there was more favor for something called behavior modification. And behavior modification is more rewards and consequences. These are still used a lot in public schools today, probably in private schools too. But there has been a big shift because as child development research has grown, we have learned that intrinsically rewarding our children to behave well has a better long-term outcome. So that means teaching them to do things right because they want to, not just because they're going to get a reward or because they're going to get a consequence if they don't. So you might make a sticker chart for a four-year-old to try to increase good behavior, which by the way, never make a sticker chart or a reward chart for a kid to decrease a behavior. That's completely backwards. That's something that we're going to talk about in the program this month, but that's a side note. If you're making a sticker chart for a four-year-old to increase a good behavior, a behavior that you want to see more of, Like you want them to carry their plate from the table to the sink every night after dinner. That's great. But when you're doing the sticker chart for things like that all the time, you're running the risk of raising a kid who's motivated by extrinsic or external reinforcers. So they're taking the plate to the counter, not because they want to be helpful, but because they really want to get a toy or whatever it is that those stickers lead to at the end of the week. You don't want to be still running a sticker chart with your 14-year-old, and you don't want your 14-year-old to expect some sort of handout for taking their plate from the table to the sink. So what I mean by that is you want them to do the right thing because they want to do the right thing, not because they want a sticker or a toy or something tangible, and not because they're afraid of a punishment. I personally don't want my kids to behave because they're afraid that I'm going to hit them, or they're afraid that I'm going to yell at them and shame them. I'm striving to raise kids who are independent and self-directed. So I'll say it again. There's a huge piece of this that's trusting the process. We know that our children do as we do, not as we say, and they're going to learn through modeling and imitating us. So the best thing we can do is first and foremost, clean up our own behavior. Now I'm going to get off that soapbox on finding a balance between positive parenting and issuing rewards and consequences. And I'm going to talk specifically about timeout. 
I am definitely an observer by nature, and I can't go out in public without observing a parent threatening to put their kid in timeout. I feel like I hear it constantly. If you don't stop doing that, you're going to go to timeout. If you don't clean up your room, you're going to go to timeout. Timeout, timeout, timeout. But the interesting thing is that most parents that I talk to say that timeout doesn't even work. So it makes me wonder, why do we keep doing it? And I feel like there's something about timeout and having a strategy and a technique that makes us feel really empowered. It makes us feel like we're acting. But the problem is that action, the way that we're acting, usually isn't even working. So if you do want to use timeout with your kids, which I would warn you, it should be used selectively, there is a right and a wrong way to do it. The right way to do it means it's going to be effective and it's going to lead to a reduction of the behavior. The wrong way to do it means you're going to do it haphazardly and violate a lot of the cardinal rules of timeout, which I'm going to share with you. So my words of wisdom for you are, if you're going to do timeout, do it in a way that's going to be effective. Do it in a way that's actually going to work. So I'm going to start with five nevers, five ways you should never use timeout. So first is never use timeout to motivate good behavior. So when I hear a parent say, if you don't clean up your toys, you're going to go to timeout. That's exactly what I'm talking about. They're trying to increase a good behavior. And when you want to increase a good behavior, you need to use motivation, not punishment. And timeout is a form of punishment. So very commonly, if you tell a kid, if you don't clean up your toys, you're going to go to timeout, the kid might just choose to go to timeout. Because honestly, if you told me I had to clean up my room or go to timeout, I would happily go and sit in the corner rather than have to do all the work of cleaning up the toys. So that's point number one. Never use timeout to motivate good behavior. Point number two is never use timeout with an excessive amount of language or explanations. Timeout was designed to be a procedure that is effective in and of itself. So timeout means timeout from reinforcement. So you're taking a kid away from something that they love. It might be attention. It might be a toy. It might be an activity, but they're losing access to something that they love. So that is the punishment, the loss of access to something. When we go in and we start doing all this talking and explaining and scolding and yelling, timeout becomes less effective. It becomes very convoluted, particularly because sometimes our kids are behaving in ways that are asking for attention. And then we give them timeout and we're yelling and screaming and we're in their face and we're giving them all sorts of attention, even though it's bad attention. Some of our kids really thrive on that negative attention. So when you're putting a kid into timeout, a very simple explanation, the minimal use of language is recommended because the action of removing them from whatever situation that you're removing them from and that rewarding thing that they're losing access to, that is the punishment in and of itself. Now, what I would recommend is a very simplified rationale for the timeout, such as, I'm going to put you in your room now because you're throwing toys and it's possible that you're going to hurt someone. It's not safe for you to be here right now. That's it. End of story. Which brings me to point number three. Never use timeout dramatically. So that minimal language that you're using around it, speak calmly. Also, don't yank your kid by the arm. Don't throw them up against the wall. Whatever it is that you're going to do, don't do timeout with a lot of the dramatics associated with it. Oftentimes that can escalate the situation even more and make it more difficult for the child to calm down and more difficult for you to calm down as well. I'm circling back to the idea that in positive parenting, we have to be on our best behavior ourselves. As a parent, when you're using timeout, give it your best and be on your best behavior. 
because your behavior is teaching your child every minute. Point number four, never use timeout just because your mother-in-law is watching or because you feel like you need to do something. I see this happen all the time. Parents feel like they need to act. They feel like, oh, I can't just sit around and do nothing. So instead, they give their kid time out. So don't use it as a last resort if you don't have any rationale or reason to use it. Don't put your kid in time out just because you don't know what else to do. Use it intentionally. The last point is point number five. Never use it on avoidant behavior. So an example of this would be when you tell your kid they have to eat three bites of vegetables and instead they throw their vegetables on the floor and you say, all right, if you do that again, you're going to time out. Of course, they're going to choose to go to timeout because they want to avoid eating the vegetables. So they're probably going to throw their vegetables on the floor on purpose again. And all of these behaviors and these struggles can leave us feeling very powerless. And I think that that's one of the reasons that we rely so heavily on timeout because it feels like this strategy or technique that is supposed to work and it makes us feel like we have a little bit of power. But I want to tell you that as a parent, it's totally okay to feel powerless most of the time, a lot of the time. I know that I do because our job is not to control every single thing that our kids are doing. Last week in episode 112, I talked with Hunter from Mindful Mama Mentor about letting go of some of that control. And that can be really helpful to us as parents to let go of this need to control our kids and their behavior all the time. But there are some times for the safety and well-being of ourselves and for others that we do need to use these strategies to help to manage behaviors. So there's four main ways to do timeout. And some of these might surprise you and they might not seem like timeout at first glance, but they are. Timeout is absolutely not putting a kid in the corner. And that is a very old school definition of timeout. I would never recommend putting a kid in the corner with their nose in the corner. I think that there's a certain amount of shame and power that comes over that action. And it just doesn't sit well with me. I don't like it. I don't choose it and I don't recommend it either. There's two different main types of timeout. There's exclusionary and non-exclusionary. So are you going to exclude a child from the room or from the setting? Or are you not going to exclude them from the room and the setting? Both of these types can be equally effective and used in different circumstances. So I'll start with the most traditional, which is the exclusionary. You're excluding a child from a situation. This is sort of the traditional put the kid in the corner idea. The way that I use this most often is I put my kids into their rooms. There are times that my kids are being destructive or they're hurting each other or me or someone else, and they need to go to their room for a while to have some time away. In those situations, it's not safe for them to be with us in the room that we are in. So I calmly remove them, usually lead them by the hand to their bedroom. I'm taking them out of the room that I'm in or that other people are in, that they are being severely disruptive and putting them into their room by themselves so that they can calm down. And sometimes we call this time away, time away from the situation to calm down and to gather yourself. I think that that's the most traditional way of using timeout, and it can be very effective and sometimes very necessary to remove a child that's being destructive or disruptive, especially if there are other people in the house. I think that if it's just you and one child, you may be able to manage those behaviors without this type of procedure, but if there's multiple people involved, if you're one adult and you're responsible for four kids, sometimes this is necessary, and that's okay. There's a few different ways to use timeout in a non-exclusionary way, in a way where you're not excluding the child. 
a lot of the times our kids behave certain ways for attention. They're acting to get attention. And sometimes if they're acting in a way to get attention and we don't like that way, we can ignore it. And ignoring behavior is actually a form of timeout. And actually, I have a textbook documenting this and I've had to make copies of this for parents because they don't believe that ignoring is an actual strategy, but it is. So I think that if you are ignoring a behavior that you don't like, know that you're checking that box in your head. You have a strategy and you have used that strategy and it can be very effective. You're not being lackadaisical. You're not not doing anything, quote unquote. An example of how I've been using ignoring in my house recently is with potty talk. My four-year-old loves to use potty words. And usually our rule is you have to use potty language in the bathroom. If you want to talk about the toilet or butts or whatever it is, you have to do it in the bathroom and you can do it as much as you want in the bathroom. But sometimes it happens when we're in the car. And when we're in the car, I just ignore it. And that is my way of not giving attention to the behavior. And I know that this potty talk is often motivated by other kids and adults yelling or laughing or responding to it. So ignoring behaviors like that can sometimes be a really effective way of ending them. So ignoring is an example of a non-exclusionary timeout. Another way of using timeout without excluding your child is to remove an object. So this happened to me last week. My son was insisting on sweeping our dining room table with a broom which wasn't really destructive, but it was really dirty. So I told him he wasn't allowed and he kept doing it. So I took the broom and I put it up high so he couldn't access it. That is a form of timeout. And I'm sure you're probably nodding your head saying, oh, I already do these things. You are actually giving a consequence and you're using a strategy for behavior and you're not even realizing it. So taking away a desired object is a form of non-exclusionary timeout. So when you're feeling powerless, you feel like you have to do something, even just taking away an object or a toy that's being misused or used dangerously or inappropriately, that is a form of timeout. Because like I said, timeout is about removing the reward or removing the reinforcement. So sweeping the dining room table with a broom was fun for my son. So by removing it, I was taking that fun away. And I was also telling him that this type of behavior is not tolerated. You are not permitted to do this. And after repeatedly asking him to stop, he did not stop. So therefore, I used the alternative approach, which was to remove it entirely and to put it away out of reach. Could I have put him in his room for sweeping the table? Probably. But to me, that just felt like it was too much work and too much drama just taking the object away communicated what I was trying to say. That action of saying, time out, can't use the broom anymore, taking it away, communicated what my expectation and what my boundary was. So the final form of non-exclusionary timeout that I want to introduce you to is sitting out and watching. So sometimes kids misbehave if they're at the playground. And we can say, you know, you're throwing rocks at the other kids, you're going home right now, we're getting out of here. That's taking kid away. That could be considered a type of excluding them, exclusionary timeout if you pop them in the car and you leave the playground immediately. But sometimes it's more effective just to sit them on the bench next to you and make them watch the other kids play because they're losing that reward of playing and getting that interaction and attention with the other kids. They're sitting next to you for a few minutes and they are calming down and they're understanding that when I behave like this, when I throw rocks, I'm not allowed to play anymore, but it gives the added bonus of allowing them to go back and try to do it again and do it right. 
And this is the wonderful thing about this type of timeout is that, sure, you made a mistake, you threw rocks, take some time out and go try it again. Give them a chance to do it right. And I think that that is so powerful that when our kids do misbehave, they have a chance to remedy it and they have a chance to do things right. So now I've been talking for far longer than I really needed to about timeout, but I wanted to give you a full picture that this procedure can sometimes be used effectively and sometimes it can be used ineffectively. It doesn't really need to be used all that often. There might actually be types of timeout that you're doing that you never even realized that you were doing. I hope that I didn't use too much jargon and I hope that this was fairly easy to understand. I know that it was a lot of information, probably above and beyond more than you ever wanted to know about this topic. But if you want to learn more about this, if you want to learn more about the right way to use a reward chart, because again, just like timeout, there is a right way and a wrong way. I'm going to be simplifying all this next month, three minutes a day, 30 days. We're going to be talking about strategies and techniques that we can use to empower ourselves. Those of us who are really striving to be positive parents, but we need tools to get through our days. There'll be written content and videos, and for the month of July, I'll also be doing weekly live Q&A sessions in a private Facebook group. And again, that I think that this would be so great for co-parents to do together to work to get on a unified front for behavior management at home. So if you've got one parent who leans heavily towards the old school style of modifying behavior and one parent who leans towards positive behavior, I'm really hoping that this information is going to help to tie it all together. If you have questions or comments, feel free to email me or send me a message. You can leave it on the show notes for this episode, simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 113, or feel free to email me personally as well. I'd love to have you all join us, simplefamilies.com forward slash behavior for the month of July. Starting July 1st, we're going to be hashing out all of this, and I'm going to be scaling it back and simplifying it so that you can take it all in and learn it today and use it tomorrow. That's my goal. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this has been helpful, please leave a rating or review in iTunes. I greatly appreciate your support. Have a good one.